Will you join me in uh, prayer? Lord, I thank you for the life you've given. A life that is filled with certainly joys and blessings, laughter, fun, new life, exciting times, celebratory times, times of glory and praise. But a life, Lord, that also includes pain and suffering, discomfort, and struggle, tension, sorrow, loss. Lord, I especially think of those who are maybe in the midst of those darker days, those struggling with illnesses in our church, those were maybe have lost relationships. Those with divisions in their family. Lord, you've given us all of life. Help especially those of us in the dark days be able to see your face. Thank you for being a faithful God. Thank you for... not letting the good and the bad that we endure in this life be the end of the story. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for promising that someday in the eternal kingdom there will be no longer any pain or suffering, struggle, tension, loss, sorrow, that would all be gone and we will just get to enjoy all the pleasure that it is that life is and thank you that you are faithful to your promise in Jesus name amen <laughs> season of refining are you in a season of refining? <laughs> kind of feels like we all are, right? Um, and really, I, you know, I think the last three years, right, especially, but I think even beyond that, right? I mean, you know, the interesting thing about refining is it's kind of like it's, it's created within the system. Like, you know, God's design... Uh, allows for this refining to just naturally happen. You know, we can, we can go through a season of, you know, 
joy and celebration. And we can sometimes, you know, experience that for so long that we begin to think that this is normal. <laughs> like this is the way it's always going to be. Well, eternity, yes, but And so in those times when everything is going great, it's really hard to think about the refining times. And, and then when those refining times come, we just, ah, it's really hard. Hard to embrace that, right? It's hard to, hard to deal with that. We, we long for the good time. We, we want that. And I think that's part of the design of the bad times is that God wants us to know that this world is not the way it's supposed to be. That this isn't, you know, he, he, he wants us to recognize that there is something far better than what we're experiencing in this, in, this, in this life. But the amazing thing about refinement is it causes us to long not only for the good times, but it reveals. It reveals to us what is true. And what's not. It reveals to us what we're really <laughs> trusting in. You know, a refining fire is meant to do a couple of things at least, and one is to purify. It's meant to, to get rid of the stuff that shouldn't be there. And the bad times in our life and the times of refinement. The fire sweeps through and it burns up the things that shouldn't be there. And so it's meant to purify, but it's also meant to strengthen. It's supposed to strengthen the things that should be there. The things that aren't burned up by the fire become more strong, more stable, more concrete. This is kind of the two main purposes of refinement. To, to reveal to us the things that we're hanging on to that we shouldn't be hanging on to because they're not worthy of us to hang on to them or depend on them or to put our hope in them. To burn those up and then we have to look for something else because it's no longer there. It's been burned up. It's gone. But it's also designed to help us to cling to the things that are left which are foundational, which are true, which are eternal, which are there for us for all time. And that's, of course, Jesus. Refining is, is hard. But it tends, and, and it tends to oftentimes come in bunches, <laughs> right? I mean, just think about it in your own life or listen to the stories of other people, right? When one, you know, kind of like one domino drops, right? It's like all of a sudden there are just, seems like all kinds of stuff just being stripped away. Things are burning up. Things are just going, I mean, refinements often come in bunches. It's not just one thing. Like sometimes we wish like, hey, can it just be one thing? But no, right? It's like more and more keeps coming. We're like, Lord, what's going on? Why this and this and this? So much so that we feel like we can't handle it. We can't do it. As we learned last week, right? That's a great place to be. I can't do it, right? But also, refinements seem to often come 
after times of goodness, of glory, after like kind of the, the, you know, the pinnacle moments of our life. I remember, you know, going to a life conference and having an experience with God that was so profound and sweet and being ushered in a sense into the presence of God in that moment and enjoying this amazing experience and then coming back and immediately conflict erupts as soon as I get off the plane. And that was just the first domino. It often happens that way, it seems like. It seems like uh, refinements come in those, uh, right after those big moments where we have this special uh, encounter with God. Or maybe and when our life is just really going really well and everything is just, you're like, oh yeah, look at this, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. This is, I think, what Jacob feels a little bit in our chapters today of 34 through 36. I was struck in these three chapters, first of all, how quickly they come after this amazing God moment where he's wrestling with God and God steps in and blesses him and gives him a new name and then all of a sudden, boom, everything just falls apart. And I'm also struck by how many things go wrong. In these three chapters, it's just it, this is a season of tragedy, great tragedy for Jacob. He just has this moment where he realizes that the God of his father and the God of his grandfather is not just the God of his ancestors, but he is his God. For the first time, he builds an altar and worships God on it. You know, we tend to think in those moments when we finally get it and we finally learn something new about God and we finally kind of wrap our arms around God, we've got this amazing victory. think, all right, now everything is going to be awesome. Now everything in my life is going to come into place and it's going to be just sweetness all the way to heaven. Jacob may have thought that as well, but then it seems like the moment he steps away from that altar after worshiping him, for this amazing encounter he's had. His daughter, Dinah, gets raped. And then his sons, Levi and Simeon, decide to take matters into their own hands. It's crazy, chapter 34. And... And the interesting thing in this is, is Jacob's response. Let's, let's read a little bit of it here at the end of chapter 34 of Genesis. I, you know, I, you can't let yourself go here too far, but imagine, again, if you're a father and your daughter experiences what Dinah has just experienced. How would you respond? And then you look at, then at Jacob and you go, wait a second. What is going on, Jacob? Why aren't you ticked off? Why aren't you fired up? Why aren't you, you know, like murderously mad like Levi and Simeon are? But look at how he responds at the end. After Simeon and Levi have gone through and wiped out all of Shechem's family, and the village. I mean, he's wiped them all out. They've killed them all, murdered them all. 
This is what Jacob says. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink in the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? You know, it's, I, I, we need to be careful about assigning blame. Certainly, what Shechem did to Dinah was wrong. It was sinful. It was evil. But the response of Levi and Simeon, I have a hard time saying, yeah, that's what God's plan is for judgment. Maybe, but I think there's some, there's some tension in this story. But again, I want to zero on Jacob. What is he concerned with? Because it points to what he saw was most important. The refining fire came through, and as it comes through, it exposes, it reveals where Jacob's heart is. And Jacob is not concerned about his family He's concerned about this relationship and this connection to the Canaanites. He's concerned about being able to live among them. He's concerned about being able to enjoy the blessing of having a, 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 you know, a, a treaty of sorts with this sick and sinful group of people. We know the rest of the story, right? When Joshua finally comes into the promised land after they spent some time in Egypt, right? God does bring judgment against the Canaanites. Why? Because they were sinful. Yet here we see at the beginning of the story, in essence, Jacob trying to befriend the enemy. We see Jacob trying to live among them and thinking that it's okay. And the refining fire comes and exposes what's truly in Jacob's heart. And he loses this relationship. He loses the security that he thought would come with that. And that's why he says what he says to his sons. In the next chapter, we see more refining as God directly steps in in this time and says, hey, you need to get rid of your superstitions and the idols that you're believing in. And I, I really think this is what refinement is generally all about. It's about exposing our idols. Refinement is the, the fire of refinement goes through, and again, it reveals the things that we are trusting in and leaning on that aren't worthy of that trust. And so here we see God directly speak to the idols that his wives had brought from their home and their family, and, but also the other things, the superstitions that they had put together, that they were trusting in. And God says, get rid of those. So he does. But then the real pain begins when he starts to lose family members. First, it's Deborah, who was the servant of his mother, Rebecca. I'm sure, I'm sure that Jacob grew up with her as part of the family. We know his relationship with his mom was really tight, and so we can guess that his relationship with Deborah was probably tight as well. Probably one of the great joys of returning back home after 20 years of being away was to be able to see Deborah, to, to be in relationship with her again, to, to feel the comfort that it is to be around family again. But here in chapter 35, she dies. Then later in this chapter, we see Rachel is giving birth. 
giving birth to her second son, the son that she had prayed so desperately for. And in childbirth, she too loses her life. Jacob's favorite wife, if you will. We all have a favorite wife, right, guys? <laughs> Jacob's favorite wife, right? The one that, that he truly loved. The one that he really worked 14 years for. The one that he had devoted his life to. One who ignited his heart with love and joy and happiness. God takes her. Like, I mean, she, in the midst of bearing him another son, she dies. And then chapter 35 ends with his dad passing away. I praise the Lord that my dad is still alive. <laughs> healthy and I get to hang out with him, got to do that back in August and play golf with him. But I've talked to some men and women. Losing your dad, like especially if that's a close relationship, but even if it's not, it, it like it, that impacts you, right? There's just something about that when you begin to lose that generation, those parents who have cared for you and you always kind of felt a sense of security around them. Whether they were good or bad, whatever it is, it just, it's just there. It's inbred in us, right? Jacob's mom has already passed on. His, his, her servant now has passed on. And now his dad. There's this sense of like, okay, who am I? What am I going to do? Where am I? Where's my security? And there's, it's just all gone. The refining fire just doesn't stop. The dominoes seem to just keep falling. And he loses all of these people, all these situations, all these things, idols that he had been depending on and trusting in. God steps in. Well, actually, God doesn't step in. Just the natural reality of life steps in. Now, God created the system, right? I, I want to understand. God created the system. Sin entered the system and created this corruption. But God uses the corruption. You know, I, I remember we talked back in, uh, with Abraham and Isaac, right? Remember, Abraham is called by God to go and take his son up the mountain and sacrifice him, right? Now, that was a God uh, test, right? God stepped in, and that was a faith test. But I think refinement often, it's a test as well, but it's a different kind of test. The refinement test is, is again, it's part of the system that we're in of good and then bad that we keep going back and forth. Through. So it's not so much that God has come in and said, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, I'm going to strip this away. It's more of this is the system. This is the way it works. And as it works its way through, it reveals, it exposes, exposes the things that we have put our trust in. I don't think it's a stretch to think that, you know, Jacob had put some hope and trust in his dad and his wife in this relationship he'd built with the Canaanites. But the refining fire came through and stripped it all away. One final piece in chapter 36, Esau, his brother, 
You know, they've had this tense relationship all of their life. But after he comes back, Jacob comes back, he meets with Esau, and Esau embraces him, gives him a hug, and is glad his brother is back. So there's this sense, right, that, okay, the family is back together. But also there's this reality that Esau is this powerful people now. And I think Jacob was also leaning into the protection of his brother. He thought, hey, as long as my brother's here, then we've, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, I've got, you know, he, he, in chapter 34, he's complaining because Levi and Simeon wiped out. Oh my gosh, the, the nations are going to rise up against us and we're a small group. We're not going to be able to handle it. So I think there's this sense of Esau's there though, right? And so Esau would come to my rescue. If something bad happens, if somebody tries to attack me, I've got Esau there. But then chapter 36, and what does Esau do? He walks away. He leaves. In this very familiar story back to, remember, Abraham and Lot, when there was just too much there for the, the land to provide for both of them, right? Abraham says, you choose. Go that way, and I'll go the other. You go east, I'll go west. You go west, I'll go east. Same kind of almost story here where Esau says, this, you know, there's just not enough room for her, us here, Jacob. And so I'm taking off, and where does he go? The same area that Lot goes because Esau's heart is corrupt as well. So the refining fire works through the life of Jacob and strips him of so much that he'd been putting his heart and his life and hope into. When the refining fire comes into our life, it can be very similar to these things. I mean, just consider the last few years, some of us have indeed lost family. Lost friends maybe to the pandemic, but we've also lost family and friends to division. I've talked to several different people in our church who have children or have parents or have friends that they used to be really close to and now they can't even talk to each other anymore. Relationship totally gone. The refining fire has worked through and stripped away relationships, taken away people that we were trusting in, we were hoping in. You know, I think about it, you know, the last couple of years as well, and it's, you know, taken away some of the things that, you know, we were seeking protection from. Like we thought that, you know, our Constitution protected us in certain ways. We thought that the church would be able to continue to do church things without anybody ever saying anything about that in this country. Some of us thought, you know, our careers would, you know, I mean, that we're good. I mean, it's always going to be there. I'm always going to have a job. I'm always going to have something to, you know, do. There's, there's no way. For the last couple of years, that may have been stripped away a bit. The consuming, refining fire worked through. And as it worked through, it burned up those things that we thought we could count on. And so how do we respond? When a refining fire works through, how do we respond? What do we do? I think sometimes we tend to maybe attack, kind of go on the offensive, <laughs> 
When something bad starts to happen or maybe a relationship becomes tense, we're like, wait, no, no, I'm not giving up this relationship. Begin to fight back and somehow try to save it. No, I can figure this out. We're going to take whatever's trying to burn up that relationship. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to attack that. It's this stupid government. We, gotta just, we just need to get rid of it because it's creating all those divisions. We, ah, we gotta get it. No, we can't. You know, whatever, right? I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is, the, what ignited it seems like in our mind, that fire. We can have maybe this tendency to fight back and attack. Another way to respond sometimes is, I think, just with bitterness and maybe even despair. Bitter at whatever caused that relationship to burn, <laughs> caused that thing that we were trusting in to, to disappear, or sometimes even just in the thing, I can't believe you weren't faithful to me. How can I believe you? And we become bitter that we've lost it. And sometimes we get bitter towards God, like, God, you did this. You're the one that made this happen. You don't love me. You don't want me to have anything good in my life. You knew that these people were really important to me or this situation was really important. This job was really important. I needed this and you just took it away. Or we can just despair. We just give up. Stop trying. Or maybe even deny it. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, it's amazing, right? I, I, you know, as a refining fire comes through and we, th that, that thing, that person that we've been trusting and holding on to all of a sudden is stripped away from us. Sometimes we kind of go, no, 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 this isn't really happening. Right? We kind of like try to deny one that maybe we really needed that person or we're trusting them and putting our hope in them. Or two, we try to deny that, oh, you know, it, it, it was just this time that that happened. Like actually relationships with, and relationship with this person is, 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 is it's okay. It's like it burned up this time, but that, that's okay. It's just this, it's just kind of a weird thing that happened. This doesn't normally happen, right? So this kind of denial, like, you know, that, that actually, you know, Fires usually don't burn through and cause this chaos, and it's, it's going to be okay. And so we just look for the next thing to grab onto, the next person to grab onto, the next whatever to cling to, or maybe we'll let things kind of play out for a little bit and then try to rebuild what was lost. But I, but I think the most important thing in the time of refinement is to, is to see where God is. Right in the middle of these three chapters with Jacob, where he's losing everything. God shows up. Actually, you know, he shows up several times in these three chapters. Like, previous 30, 40 years of Jacob's life, like God, like a couple of times shows up, but that's kind of about it, right? Remember 20 years with Laban, like God wasn't, he didn't say anything to him in 20 years like that is recorded. And then finally at the end, God says, all right, now it's time to go back home kind of thing, right? But in these three chapters, like God's everywhere, but especially listen to what he says right in the middle of this time of refinement where again, Jacob is seeing all this stuff just be taken away. Verse 9 of 35, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Haram and blessed him. 
And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. In times of refinement, we need to recognize where God is. The reality is that God knows the fire is coming. You know, we so often can look at refinement and the fact that it comes right after a time of high. You know, we're like, oh, we got this great encounter with God. And then all of a sudden, all this refinement begins to happen. All this pain and suffering begins to happen. We can look at it and say, oh, God, what, what are you doing? Why are you testing me in this? Why are you making all my life worse? You know, you give me this great encounter and then everything is just falling apart now. Why? But understand, we got to look at it. We, we look at it backwards too often. The reality is that God knew the pain and the suffering was coming. He knew that there was going to be a time of refinement, of, of, of taking away and removing and stripping things that we have been dependent on. He knew that was coming, and so he gave us the glory moment. He gave us the encounter in preparation for it. It is not God testing us. Oh, now you've given your life to me. Now I'm going to test you. No, no, no. It is God saying, it's coming, and I have perfectly timed this encounter so that you will see my face before you head out and have to deal with all this because you're going to need me to get through it. In the times of refinement, the response is not despair or bitterness towards God or anyone. It's not to attack and fight off the refining fires because you can't. It's going to sweep through. It's going to happen. It's part of this world that we're experiencing right now. The job, the thing that we do in the midst of refinement is turn our eyes to Jesus. To remember the encounter we had and cling to that because that thing is secure. That encounter with God is the thing that will help us to make it through. God has given us that for a gift to help us in the moment of terror, the moment of struggle, the moment of pain and sorrow and suffering. And God is also active in the midst of it. Again, notice... God stepping in. Jacob has this encounter with this wrestling match with God, and then he steps out of that, and all of this chaos ensues. But notice God is in it over and over and over again, speaking encouraging words, renewing the promise to him. This is reality. When life begins to get chaotic, when the refining fires come through, God is there. He's with you in it. Look for his words, look for his face, look for his actions, look for his presence. He's there. He's speaking. He's encouraging. He's comforting. He's strengthening. He's giving us the courage that we need. He's providing for us in the midst of the storm. 
but also recognize that God is calling to us in the midst of refinement as well. And the call is, let go. Let go and see me. Let go of the things of this world that you've been relying on. They're not worthy of your trust. They're not worthy of your worship. They're not worthy to to build your life on. Let go of the things of this world. Let go of the relationships. Let go of the careers. Let go of the the protection uh, things that we've set up around us. Let go of all of it in order to seek his face. In order to recognize that he is the only one worthy of our trust. He's the only one worthy of us to put our hope in. He's the only one to cling to. And in that call to let go and trust Jesus is also a call to praise. You want to know how people are able to praise Jesus in the midst of the refining fire, in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and the loss of this world? Because when you realize that he's with you in it all, Nothing else matters. Have you come to that point in your own life with Jesus? Or are you still fighting against refinement? Are you struggling against it? Like, no, I'm not going to give up. I can keep these things. I can continue to lean on to the things of this world, the relationships that are there, the careers that we have, the whatever it may be. Are you still clinging to those things? Are you still grabbing onto those things? Are you still fighting for those things? Have you gotten to the point in your relationship with Jesus that even in the midst of all of that going on, all the stuff that we're losing, all the stuff that that, that seems to get stripped away in our world, are you able to still praise him in it? You know, I think this is the part of the refinement piece that we can take home with us a little bit is like, How do we respond? If, if we're responding by attacking or bitterness or denial, then that means that that person, that situation, that thing had, we were putting too much hope there. So, so I think in the times of refinement, when that fire begins to sweep through our lives, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how am I responding? Am I willingly giving those things up and recognizing, and it's not that it's not painful. It's not that it's not sorrow in it. You know, so weeping over loss is not sinful. It's not wrong. It's when we cling to that thing that's being stripped away when that thing is the thing that we're living for, when that person is the one that is controlling our life, that's that's the sin, that's the problem. The last few years, we've had things stripped out of our lives. 
refining fire has come through in different ways in all of our lives. How have you responded? You know, I think, I think, you know, maybe in some ways we've responded really well, and, you know, in other ways maybe we've not responded very well. Understand that how you responded reveals, reveals where your true hope is. But also, I think we need to evaluate too, what are we doing now? You know, there's some sense, I'm feeling this a little bit, maybe you are too, that there's still some sense that the tension is still there, but there's also a sense like, oh, maybe we're kind of through this, right? You know, maybe, maybe we're kind of, things are, you know, kind of settling down a little bit. And, and what are you doing now in that? If, if you're feeling like things are starting to settle down a little bit maybe for you, that, what, what are you going back to? Because I think a lot of times what happens once the, the kind of the initial shock and the storm kind of works through and the fire has done its piece and we kind of we begin to rebuild our lives, we need to reevaluate. oh, wait a second, are we grabbing those same things and building our life again on that? All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Lord, reveal to us the things in our life that we're clinging to. Oh, Lord, help us to let go of this world and cling to Jesus. church let's take a stand and we can sing a song or two and i'll come back with a benediction hear the word of the lord psalm 146 praise the lord praise the lord O my soul i will praise the lord as long as i live i will sing praises to my god while i have my being put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. Let He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. And say it with me, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are in a season of refinement, and especially if you're struggling to see Jesus in the midst of it, come forward for prayer.
we would love to pray with you and help you to see his face. God is good. He loves you. He's with you. Have a blessed day.